0: Welcome to this episode of safe home podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18 year old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery. While I work on my own personal growth and healing. Now our safe home has four pillars, addiction, mental health, adoption, and diversity. And today we're going to be leaning on the diversity pillar. Today's guest is Carolyn Balagot, an advocate for neurodiverse people. In her family, she, her husband, and her three kids are all neurodiverse in one way or another, primarily with ADHD or autism spectrum disorder. She's worked at her children's school as a 504 case carrier, advocating for students' needs. Her kids all went to school at Orange County School of the Arts, where I used to teach and which I highly respect and admire. Now, especially in an art school, all kinds of diversity are usually celebrated, including neurodiversity. Carolyn will talk to us about her family's challenges and triumphs and help us know how better to advocate for our neurodivergent loved ones or community members. So welcome to Safe Home, Carolyn. Glad you're here.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. I loved working at OSHA. I worked there, gosh, 20 years ago now, but I always thought, God, I wish I could have gone to the school instead of teaching here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all the arty, quirky kids are all in one place and no one feels weird because they're all a little weird, right? So <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great place even back then. I'm sure it's even better now. Just warm and welcoming and diverse and unique. And I loved it. So, Why don't you just tell us about you and your family? Where are you in the world? How old are your kids? What do you guys like to do? Stuff like that.
1: Okay. So um, I am a native of my hometown, Cypress, California, still live here. Wow. My husband and I have been married for over 25 years and we have three kids who are now 17, 21, and 23.
0: Okay, almost done cooking them all. (laughs) A little bit longer on the one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're
1: all still here, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're cooked and still at home, which is very common.
1: Well, and the pandemic really just was right at a time when they should have been
0: stretching out more. And actually,
1: the autism, that was a big factor in how my family dealt with the pandemic and the sheltering at home and trying to stay separate. It made a huge impact.
0: Yeah, so it kind of changed your kids' trajectory, it sounds like. Yes, Ah, big time. That is really a global trauma that we're all still still working through. It's been really, really tough. Yes. Well, tell us who has what in your family. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What have you got going on?
1: Well, officially diagnosed, The first one was my youngest, who is now 17, was eight when he was diagnosed. I actually had him assessed at about one and a half, because he didn't have any true words. Okay, He babbled and didn't say much. Mm-hmm. And I took him to one person to be evaluated. And the evaluator said, I don't think it's speech. I think it's a neurological issue. Ooh. And I didn't know that much. What I knew about autism was pretty much what the general thing that most people know, except that I had worked at a camp, for adults and kids with developmental challenges. Hmm. And this camp was a respite camp. Okay, So these were people with high needs. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a week to give the families a break yeah. and their caregivers got a break and they got to come into this fun camp. Sure. So those were people with high needs. And so that's kind of what was my picture of what, what that was when he said it was neurological. Oh, that's what you thought your child would be like I was like well he understands what you're saying I can tell he understands what you're saying he's just ignoring you because he doesn't want to do what you're telling him to do uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so we got a different assessment and Brendan started speech at one and a half and progressed like super fast oh, okay at almost two years said mama about a month before his second birthday and then just super progressed after that just took off with the speech. Okay, great. Yeah. So it was just, I guess, delayed. And he has some articulation issues with the R's and stuff that's pretty common. But yeah, so he started speech. And then it was hard to keep up with the speech with the way the system is. If you're under three, you go through regional center. Oh, right. And then at three years old, you have to do it something different. So many hoops to jump through. And so He was talking, so we didn't do speech Uh Uh for a few years. Uh Preschool was a lot of behavior discussions. And then he went to Preppy K, where they had a wonderful principal and a wonderful teacher that year who were super supportive. And then first grade, we had to go to a different school. That principal was not as supportive, although the teacher was awesome. And we continued speech there. Okay. But then the kindergarten teacher loved just work with brendan Hmm. brendan is like the biggest love okay his heart on his sleeve just loves everybody beautiful happy light presence that he has and the teacher just loved him so things ended up being okay i almost pulled him halfway through but the teacher said i understand why you feel that way but if he leaves i'll be heartbroken i just love him so much (laughs) So we stayed another semester and Brendan wanted to go back for first grade. And about halfway through that first semester, I ended up pulling him out for homeschooling because the teacher just was not trying any different strategies. It was the whole behavior chart and moving oh, your clip up shoot. and down the colors oh. and and every day was the whole brendan did this brendan did that the whole list of stuff getting in trouble all the time oh dang it yep and you know at this point i know my kid yeah my kid just wants to be everybody's friend yeah. this is not not doesn't try to get in trouble he would really rather not mm-hmm. thank you very much mm-hmm. so we exited out of speech because you have to when you leave the school and we did homeschooling okay Uh, for the rest of first grade, all the way up until
0: he started at OSHA. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So all elementary school. He started in seventh grade at OSHA?
1: Yes. Seventh grade. Okay. Yep. And so at eight years old, when we were homeschooling, my oldest had a lot of, it definitely ADHD. My oldest was, seemed very AD, typical ADHD, what you would think of in a kid can't sit still. Uh like. And then all of a sudden the summer between kindergarten and first grade, he could settle and he could oh, sit still and pay attention. Right. So I was kind of waiting for that to happen for Brendan uh, and it wasn't happening. Okay. So it took him again to be assessed at eight years old where they told me he's slightly on the spectrum. Okay. They had told me slightly on the spectrum. And I was like, okay. In the meanwhile, all the way there, my kid is in the back scripting in the back of the van, just full on conversations. What does that mean? Scripting? It's sort of practicing conversations. So both my oldest and my youngest repeated things from TV shows and movies a lot. Yes. And so to this day, my oldest can just rattle out entire dialogues and everything. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So things were going okay. Brendan still had impulse control issues. And I just really just didn't understand him. This is my third kid. And the other two had kind of gone along the same path as far as how we dealt with conflicts and other things. But it was different. So on Brendan's 11th birthday, he had a huge meltdown and hadn't been sleeping. So I took him back in again. And that was a different, doc, I don't know who took you slightly on the spectrum. This kid is smack dab middle in the spectrum. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go back on that whole spectrum discussion. I like to look at it and there's new um, thoughts on how to express that You know, we don't label like high-functioning or low-functioning. They're really misnomers. It's way too broad of terms, low-functioning and high-functioning, and they have such an ugly picture in your mind when you say them. Yeah. And it's also, it's just like very vague and does not convey the person accurately.
0: So how are people in the autism community, how would they rather describe different characteristics of that person's autism? what's the better way to do it?
1: Well, it's really more of a picture. I wish I had sent you this picture of the way it's trying to be described. There's this cartoon of two different penguins and one of them has colors spotchy all around. The other one has more colors full in. And instead of being like a rainbow of this side is low and this side is high, instead of like the bow meter, yeah. it's just different color is different mixing of colors Uh and that very common phrase is if you've met one person with autism you've met one person with autism yeah yeah yeah.
0: i can put that picture in the notes and if you find it send me the link and i'll put the picture in the notes that sounds really useful
1: yes it is because like I said, it's complicated. And I think most people just, they're embracing autistic Mm -hmm. instead of the person first language, which used to be what was thought is the most respectful, Mm -hmm. but you're not a person with autism. It's not like you can take the autism out of
0: who you are. So you are autistic. Yeah. I understand that's a recent shift. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the autism world, from what my perspective of it is, I follow a lot of neurodivergent people. And I also teach neurodivergent people at Coastline College, where I teach intellectually disabled people, many of whom are autistic. But my perception is that autistic is not a dirty word. <laughs> it's not it's not right. a negative word at all. It's just a difference, a different way of approaching the world. Is that your perception as well? How things are changing? Yes, absolutely.
1: It's not a bad word. It is just a different way that your brain works. Yeah. And thank God for people whose brains work differently. Yes.
0: I wonder (laughs) how many artists and performers and writers and poets through history might have been labeled autistic at the, you know, if that had existed at the time, you know, how much, how many gifts have autistic people brought us in the world? A
1: lot of good stuff. So much. If you look back on hearing about Mozart and how their behaviors were kind of odd Uh and eccentric, that that definitely goes along with that. So, I truly believe that autistic people are just a brilliant gift to the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's time the world starts giving back to them. The last 20 years has been such a push to make neurodivergent people neurotypical. Right, right. This is how you behave. You should be neurotypical.
0: Yeah. You guys changed this way. Yeah.
1: And yes, be more like this. And the world is built for neuro typical people. The sights, the sounds, the pace, all of it is mm-hmm. built that way. And my dream is that we can meet halfway. Yeah. Like I said, autistic people have given so many gifts to the world. And I think it would just be fair if we could meet each other halfway. Yeah. We're not asking everybody to turn off all the lights and turn down all the sound. Yeah. Right. You know, just be considerate and open yeah. to things. There's just some issues where it's like, well, I'm autistic, I process things slower. So if I'm going to a job interview, it would be really helpful for me to have the questions ahead of time. Uh-huh. And these are things that are still extremely stigmatized. Yes. Yes. Like you shouldn't have special consideration. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with accommodations in school. Yeah. They're stigmatized. Why did they get that? Why do they get special treatment? Yeah. And. You're just like, well, I don't know. Why does the person whose legs don't work use a wheelchair? Yeah, why do they get the elevator pass? Yeah, (laughs) why don't they have to walk up the stairs? Yeah,
0: same thing. It's the same thing. And so that's what your job was, right? A 504? Yes. For people that don't know what a 504 is, can you explain that?
1: Okay, 504 is one of the categories that a student can get for some accommodations. There's IEP, which is the Individual Education Plan, which is a little higher. That has more to do with you might have to change some of the curriculum Uh and where 504 is just accommodations and none of the teaching is changed. Uh It's just maybe you can tight because you don't have good hand-eye coordination Uh or if you have dyscalculia you need to use a calculator because the numbers don't mean the same thing in your brain as they do in Uh other people's brain Uh so 504 is even for if you're diabetic okay gives you the chance to take breaks and eat if your blood sugar's low maybe we can't take a test right now we have to wait until the blood sugar gets Uh more regulated Uh um so yeah, it's just things like extra time on tests, yeah. a quieter setting to take a test yeah. and maybe extra time to turn your homework in. Yeah. Whereas an IEP would be the like differentiation in the actual teaching end.
0: Okay. We were looking into getting Joey a 504, but then he kind of crashed out of school completely. But I think if I would have started that process a little sooner, that might've helped him because he had a lot of anxiety. I know it's not a neurodivergence necessarily, but
1: it is, it is. It is. Absolutely. Oh. anxiety. Absolutely. It's a diagnosis. Oh, okay. Um, oh. And you don't actually have to have a diagnosis to get a 504. Oh, okay. But if you do, anxiety is definitely up there. And why we have students who need to test in a separate environment. See,
0: that's what he gets so much test anxiety. And then he sees kids walking yes. up to the desk, turning the thing in. And he's like, ah,
1: exactly. It. That's exactly it. We have plenty of students who go to our test center at OSHA because of that, oh. because of, Oh, wait, I'm not done. Why are they done already? Yeah, then you can't concentrate. Yeah, and you're just like, stare off into space and wait, there goes 10 minutes where, shoot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually anxiety, depression, all those things,
0: Uh if it affects your schoolwork. Uh So since you've worked on the other side of those 504s, were you representing the school or the parents? Or both? both? Both. Okay. So kind of the middle man. Okay. So do you recommend that parents, if their child is struggling, is that something they should look into getting at their school? Definitely. Sooner than later. Yeah. If there's a little trouble, start looking at getting a Absolutely. Um, and you
1: know, I hesitated mm-hmm. personally, and this is very common, mm-hmm. but parents just need to know their rights. Mm-hmm. There's a fantastic website called understood.org mm-hmm. has the answer to everything. 504, IEPs, all that stuff. Understood.org has the best, And it's so well laid out oh, very okay. simply. It's an amazing website. Oh, thank you. I'll put that in the notes. Like I told you, my oldest had trouble sitting still. Mm-hmm. So kindergarten, you know, there was always behavior. Okay. And then first grade, they got better. But because we went to a Catholic school and I knew some of the teachers really well, I had heard about this Hume file that was going with my kid. And how by first grade there was already a label.
0: What's a hum a what file? Cumulative file. Oh, cumulative file. Oh, that follows you. Yeah, cum file. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: And my kid was already labeled.
0: Oh, Shoot, what was he
1: labeled as? All of the things he had gotten in trouble for, uh-huh. you know. So like, there's this list of all the things he had done wrong, and so I was gun shy uh-huh. for sure uh-huh. to pursue that. And with my oldest, when I homeschooled him as well, I actually pulled him out of school after second grade. And when he was going into third, my second was going into first and my youngest was two. I started homeschooling. Oh Lordy.
0: Oh goodness. (laughs) All my
1: kids. I had talked to the homeschool because we were with this program called CHEP, which is through the Orange County Department of Ed. We had kind of an umbrella teacher. And I kept saying, I think there's something going on with my oldest. Mm -hmm. There's some issues. Oh, he's doing fine. Uh, He's doing fine. So yes, definitely should have had that one
0: assessed. (laughs) Okay. And can you get a 504 from homeschooling or you don't even need one when you're homeschooling?
1: You don't really need one when you're homeschooling. You can
0: accommodate whatever. You can
1: accommodate. Absolutely.
0: That's when you're in a class situation.
1: Yes. Uh, Okay.
0: Okay. Well, that's really good to know.
1: Yeah, but I would definitely, and like understood.org and nowadays it's, not as stigmatized mm-hmm. public schools have got to be way more careful yeah because of FERPA it's protection act oh. that you have to protect the students identities and all the info oh, okay so uh, it's a federal law oh. so and it, it it's not kind of a, a special class as much anymore okay it's accommodations and if they really need significant help on a subject they may get pulled out for an hour for just like special math tutoring or reading help mm-hmm. but it's so much more inclusive now than it used to be yeah. so i know our generation special education means something different yeah when we were in oh, school yeah
0: oh for us every kid that had any sort of disability was pulled out all day you didn't ever see them yeah yeah or
1: they had a little star next to their name i remember that oh.
0: in the roll book
1: oh. but especially for a 504 that's just a couple of little tweaks that would just make the schooling feel better, less
0: anxious, yeah. less overwhelming. And was that pretty easy to get kids' needs accommodated at OSHA or did you have to fight? It depends uh, on each parent and each situation, I'm sure.
1: It depends on each situation. Some things were not a problem, some things which shouldn't have been a problem sometimes were. Mm-hmm. So, it's just an ableist issue. Ableism is just where you see the world and situations from a neurotypical point of view. yeah, mm-hmm. You know, you just need to work harder. Yeah. You just need to try harder. You just need to get organized, things like that. There was a situation where a student wanted to wear sunglasses. Oh, oh, they don't need to, without even questioning why, what would that do for them? Why do they need this? Uh-huh. Well, they don't need that. Oh, not even a question. And it doesn't even hurt anybody else at all. Just dismissed it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's from the ableist point of view that I think so many people don't even know that they have. Because yeah, we're just swimming in the
0: water. We don't even know.
1: Right. And you from our own point of view. Yeah. And there's a lot to dig into when you're looking into neurodiverse and everybody's spectrum is varied and it presents so many different ways and I know one of the big things for autistic people are sensory issues and those fluorescent lights are a huge
0: problem with a lot of autistic people yeah it's distracting because they can hear them is that what it is you can hear it
1: and it affects their eyes Uh differently too
0: so how do you accommodate for that do you ask that They get new lights or they turn them half off or something like that. I have not seen one
1: in junior high or
0: high school. Oh, they don't have them at your school?
1: No, I haven't seen anybody accommodate for that, honestly. Oh, they ask for it, but... That's nuts. Shoot. I haven't seen it. And I don't see why sunglasses would be a problem. Yeah, maybe that would help. I think that sounds like a great solve. Mm -hmm. They have these wonderful filters. Uh You can buy them on Amazon. You might've seen them like at your dentist office. There's like clouds or a rainbow that goes over it. And it filters out that. Part of the fluorescent light that's, huh. that's irritating.
0: Well, that seems like a small thing that we could do to help people out, but right. Yeah. It's right? like neurotypical people don't like to be inconvenienced or affected by somebody else's disability, which is kind of a problem because yes. it creates this us versus them kind of situation. But the, if we can see all of our different people as necessary for our whole system to work properly and valuable. Yes. Let's try to, you know, make it work for everybody. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Well, you know, we have a whole thing in our society about different. Being different at all is for some people just unacceptable. Yeah. And why should I have to? Yeah. Why should I have to change something? It's it's very egocentric, our society. What about me? And I have the right and all that stuff. That's just, if we were more thoughtful of each other, it would be a better world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So your youngest son. And your oldest son, is he autistic to too? Yes, diagnosed last year. Oh, late later, okay. At 22. Okay. And did the diagnosis help him or did it give him anything new resources wise or
1: Well, right now, I think it was just the relief of there's a name for why so many things have been a struggle why oh, okay. the sensitivities and other things that there's a, a name and a reason mm-hmm. for it. That's definitely a resistance to trying new strategies. Uh-huh. I'm trying to work on that. Okay. We'll see. I'm hoping that there will be some, but right now we're just in the, I'm embracing who I am and taking off the mask, yeah. just living in myself and my own body for a while and
0: feeling that and yeah. stop
1: trying to mask and
0: i understand that the masking is exhausting exhausting yeah. exhausting trying to be quote-unquote normal trying to blend yep. in with neurotypical people it's exhausting yes. for artistic people
1: Yes. My oldest and youngest, both from OSHA, just pass out in the car on the way home. Oh, I bet. It just (laughs) exhausted. My middle one, not so much. Okay. So they don't have autism, your middle one? We actually are starting to believe, probably does. Oh, okay. Looks different
0: from everybody else, but...
1: Yes. And I'm in the process of looking into whether I am autistic. Oh,
0: yourself. Okay. Yep.
1: So my dad, I'm almost 100% sure, was oh, autistic. Okay. And it is genetic. Um, so it passes down. It is so. genetic, but I'm really good with people. Uh-huh. I'm good with the peopling. Like yeah. I can do that. And I can read social cues and uh-huh. I can do all those things that supposedly people on the spectrum have uh-huh. a hard time with. And a new theory somebody talked about on TikTok was. Autistic people are good at recognizing patterns, okay. right? Mm-hmm. It's a very normal part of why little kids will line up their cars, line up their toys. And just good at recognizing patterns. Some autistic people can recognize patterns in behaviors.
0: Oh, okay. So you're more people aware.
1: Uh, and we become studiers of behaviors. Oh. And I am very observant okay. of behaviors. Oh, interesting. I always have been sort of been trained to observe so the four of you and my husband and your husband we need to get my husband needs to get assessed where that one we're pretty darn sure okay
0: wow so all five of you probably are autistic yes. in some form but all differently yes yes right? wow yep it's such a handful I, I i sometimes wonder if autism will be split into different sub i think that too Cause it's so, I think that too. it's hard for people to wrap their head around it because they're like, I thought autistic people couldn't look you in the eye and you're looking, you know, right. it's like, okay, but that's yep. one characteristic, but not everybody has that.
1: <laughs> yep. So. Yep. Exactly. And, um, you know, one of the things that rings in my brain for myself, I have had so many people over the course of my life, tell me things like, I've never thought of it that way. Oh. I've never heard that. Just so it was like my brain definitely works differently. I get oh. people looking at me like, "Wow, yeah, no, that's different than
0: oh. anybody's." Yeah, yes, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. You can see how that can yeah. be valuable. That's something to be kind of excited about, right? I think so. That your brain, although I'm sure it makes life on the everyday kind of difficult sometimes, but your brain is unique and sees things differently. And maybe you'll be the one that will kind of discover something or help people see something in a new light or. Yeah,
1: that's, that's kind of my thing that I do all the time. I had an interview for a job and I go into panic, even though I'm good at peopling when it comes to job interviews, it's just my brain goes blank and I panic, but, oh, they had asked me a question about, is there ever been a time when there was a system in place that you had made better? You had changed it and made the the system or whatever better was racking my brain. And and I kind of came up with one tiny little thing and I didn't get that job when I was talking to my best friend who we've been friends since we were like 18. And she's like everything, (laughs) everything in our whole life. You just see a better way to do it. (gasps) She's like, everything you do, like our camp, you totally changed our check-in system. That's what my brain does that. You don't even notice it because
0: it's so normal to you. I don't
1: even notice it. Yeah. It's just who I am.
0: I read (laughs) an article or maybe it was a meme about how the interview process, the employment process is the worst. If you had to think of the worst possible thing to throw at autistic people, make them run through this gauntlet of interviewing strange people that you've never met before, getting dressed into clothing that they don't like to wear. That's
1: exactly right. And what do they tell you? You know, look people in the eye at an interview. That's what they say, you know, shake hands. Oh my God, I got to touch somebody now too.
0: But how many autistic people who are working in tech industries, for instance, are amazing and, you know, people need to hire them for real.
1: Right. And I think what you do is you have probably people higher up that are also neurodivergent yeah 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 it doesn't seem to be weird which is one of the reasons why it took so long to get my oldest diagnosed okay
0: I completely just understood him okay you didn't think he was weird at all
1: okay I didn't everything he did made sense to me Uh So we're very much alike in how we present. Uh In a lot of ways, our brains—we both are also ADHD. Our brains are constantly going. Uh huh. And I was like, I totally get him. I get it. Okay. So there's probably a lot of people in those industries where people on the spectrum are inclined to work Ah. that are probably, you know, the understanding, understanding. So yeah, there are different fields that it's. Yeah, more people who get you. Yeah,
0: I suppose it helps when there are neurodiverse people on the hiring committee. If we could get them at the table or neurodiverse voices at the table, that would be helpful. And so
1: one of my big things about that meeting in the middle thing I was talking about is something called universal design. I
0: love universal design.
1: Right? Yes. So why can't we offer at every interview the questions up front? Yeah. Why can't we just some of these things that have become a societal norm? Yeah. Change them a little. It's not going to be bad for people who are neurotypical. It's not going to make things harder for them. Right.
0: It's like the curve cutouts for wheelchairs. It doesn't hurt anybody. The stroller people love it. People with walkers love it and joggers love it. And it helps everybody. Universal design is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's a whole thing in education for universal design that is really being explored and I'm super into it. Awesome. Wouldn't have to offer as many accommodations
0: if it was just kind of already there. I see if the education curriculum itself was designed more inclusively. Interesting. Yep. Well, I'm sure there's a long ways to go, but it sounds like you're on the forefront of making things better for neurodivergent people in your life. Anyway, what advice would you give to parents? who think they might have a kid with some sort of neurodiversity, ADHD or OCD or autism or anything like that, dyslexia, what should they be doing?
1: Well, they should really be doing what I think every parent should be doing. Is just getting to know your kid mm-hmm. for who they are instead of what you imagined your kid would be. We have this idea yeah. of what it's going to be like. And some of us have a harder time letting go of those things yeah. and just embrace and get to know the kid. who they
0: are, who they are, not who you wish they would be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just get because I I bet you they're awesome. Yeah. If you get to know them for who they are, the better, you know, them, the more you'll understand their needs. Yeah. And the understood.org has amazing. You could type in, does my son have ADHD and like come up and like give you these things. Oh. Another thing, I swear, TikTok is just so educational. <laughs> it's so many things, like ADHD and autism. There's people sharing about what it's like in their daily life. You can watch these videos and be like, "Yeah, that's my kid."
0: Oh. <laughs> you know, TikTok is like a perfect medium for people with ADHD and autism. They're quick, they're short, they're yes, off the cuff, they're a real yeah, no, no, no waiting around
1: for the the good stuff. It's, yeah, boom, they're all compact. There. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you have to get your algorithm going. You got to skip through the ones that you don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. But just reaching out Facebook pages. We didn't talk much about this. I I know you talked about this with your neurodivergent rebel on the podcast about lyric, Uh lyric about ABA. I would steer clear Uh, of that.
0: Yeah, ABA. Can you tell us a little bit about ABA? What does it stand for and what is it? Okay, it is, oh,
1: my! see, my brain just went blank. Applied Behavior Analysis. Yes. So it's really about addressing behaviors and making them look neurotypical. You're going to have a lot of people saying there's a new ABA and it's not really like that, but Uh, it's not as strict as it had been sometimes, but it's still not appropriate. What they're doing is trying to extinguish behaviors. You'll hear that a lot. Uh Kids who are flapping and without asking why they're doing the behavior, Uh they're just looking at the behavior and saying, that's not normal. And the flapping is people wave their arms or wave their arms. uh, Yeah. Or their fingers wiggling in front of their eyes. These are called stims Mm -hmm. that are comforting and regulating for a lot of people on the spectrum. Yeah.
0: And so ABA is trying to take those away. Yes. So they don't look so strange yep. or so they blend in better with neurotypical people. Yes. But people that don't like ABA, which I am one of those that does not like ABA, let's, it, I think when people are stimming, they, they might be anxious or needing comfort for some reason. Mm-hmm. So maybe figure out what they need the yes. comfort for. Yeah. Is that the yes, idea? Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, why Why are they doing that? Yeah. Why did the student just get up and run across the room? Yeah. And said, don't run across the room.
0: Let's get to the root of the...
1: Why? What's going on? A behaviorist with ABA will try to see the observable behavior, quote unquote. Uh, And I I always say to people, I promise you what you're observing is not going to give you much of a clue of what's going on in that autistic brain. Yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? That's just the tip of the iceberg. We got to do a lot more work than just observing the behavior. And you can do a lot of harm by trying to correct the behavior without knowing why. Because the child grows up not being able to respond to their their own cues. Right, because they're shut down. This is uncomfortable. This is not safe. And they've been taught to ignore those cues. Mm -hmm. So very many people on the spectrum, especially women, end up being victims of abuse Mm. because they've been trained out of them to be able to Uh. recognize these signals that we have in our brain. This is not a safe situation. Uh. I should say, no, that's not comfortable for me. I should be able to tell people to stop. Uh But it's been trained out of them. They've been told, no, you still have to sit still. Uh. You still have to look somebody in the eye. So all of their natural instincts have been trained out and it's just, yeah. it's not safe.
0: Wow, that's thats not just a, a preferred method or, you know, it's not. I agree. yeah. First of all, it's disrespectful to the
1: child mm-hmm. because they're a human being, yeah. but it's not just that, it's a, a safety issue
0: yeah, to me. definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. I had not heard that before, but that totally makes sense. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I love what you're doing. I love your philosophy of treating each child as an individual and advocating for each child's rights to get an education and to be fully who they are. Is that kind of sum up the, your philosophy?
1: 100%. Yeah. Differences are a gift and should be embraced instead of just, you're different. I'm uncomfortable. How about you're different? I'd like to know more about you. Yeah. I'd like to learn and explore and have some different ideas maybe or different experiences Mm -hmm. and it's not scary it's actually pretty awesome
0: having those new experiences and learning about absolutely yeah I enjoy my students and my different people in my life that I've known that are on the spectrum and they make my life definitely more interesting,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know it's a different way of looking at things is what yeah. I mean, what could be wrong about that? It's yeah, if we all saw things the same, we would not have advancements and change. And well,
0: I hope maybe in twenty years or so, people will be like, "Can you believe they used to try to make neurodivergent people?" not neurodivergent, you know, like, do you believe they were trying to get that out of us? And now it's celebrated. Now we're teaching other people how to do this. You know, that's my dream. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to say that I haven't asked you about?
1: No, we just um, back on to, you know, what to do for the kids. If you suspect Mm -hmm. careful of any research that's trying to change your kid, what you want is somebody who is supportive, who listens There are a lot of good Facebook pages out there. Look to adults, listen to the voices of the people who have those experiences. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Yeah, they're trying to tell us. Yeah. And the voices, especially now with internet, has been a huge boom for autistic voices.
0: Yeah. This is
1: a very preferred
0: way. (laughs) Yeah. On Zoom, you mean? uh-huh. Oh absolutely. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, Autism Speaks is a really big autism organization that most people know about with the puzzle pieces, correct. but Autism Speaks, that's an ableist name first of all, and yes. secondly they're very much into ABA. Is yes. that correct? Yeah.
1: They Started out really as looking for a cure for autism. Right. That was how they really started. And then their advancement is moving into ABA. But it's not a respectful organization. I think they've put maybe somebody on their board now that's yeah. autistic, but okay. it's just way too little too late. Yeah. And such a big organization. And, you know, the, the puzzle piece is disrespectful. I'm not a puzzle for you to solve I'm not a piece of something. I'm a whole person. Yeah. Yeah. No more
0: pieces. Yeah, Yeah, that's really problematic. I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people like, oh, okay, let's support autism. You know? (laughs) Oh, I know. This
1: is why it's so important to me because this still is kind of an unknown aspect of Mm -hmm. autism, this way of looking at it as not trying to change people and Mm -hmm. just being respectful of someone's identity and not looking at it
0: as like, oh, you know, that's something that needs to be fixed. Uh Right. So maybe when people are looking at organizations, they should find the ones that are led by autistic people. Yes.
1: ASN is one of the main ones that's all autistic voices. ASN, I'm trying to see. My brain doesn't like anagrams
0: today. Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Yep, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yep, Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. That sounds like a good one. Yes. That sounds good. And I'll link in this the episode we did with Lyric Holmans, who is the Neurodivergent Rebel. They're yes. awesome and they're absolutely. a very big advocate for this kind of individuation that we're talking about. So
1: absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's lots of, boy, I'll see if I could find some more of my resources out there. I know that there are some really good questions to ask oh, okay. to find out if your therapist is neurodiversity affirming.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Yes. So I'll I'll see what I can find. I'll send that to you too, to put on the link. It's just a really great resource. Just ask them a couple of these questions and you'll be able to tell whether that Ah. provider is neurodiversity affirming or not.
0: Oh, good. No. Okay. I'll put that in the notes too. Well, Carolyn, it's been wonderful getting to know you. I forgot to mention at the beginning, I met you at the Cypress Pride Festival. Yes. So in addition to this work advocating for neurodiverse people, you also advocate for LGBTQ people. And it was not an easy fight to get that pride slash diversity festival at the city of Cyprus. They were not super excited about it, but you pushed nope. through with your friend yeah. Maria and I spoke at that. And that's where I met you. So yeah, you are doing amazing things on many <laughs> different fronts. So thank you for all the work you're doing.
1: Yeah. You know, that's another one of those autistic traits oh, that right. a high sense of justice. Oh, okay. yes. So and just that you see sometimes not OK and you just got to do something about it. <laughs> and many LGBTQ people
0: are also neurodiverse.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Like Try lot. to be careful about it. Trans people, that's very common in neurodiversity. The thinking is that just their brain work is different so they uh-huh. don't see gender the same way okay. as other people do. Uh-huh. So trans and non variant are very common in nerd, but they're cautioning people about that because they're afraid they won't get their trans affirming care if they have a diagnosis. Oh. They'll think, oh, that's your autism and discount people. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I know, right? Yeah, That's complicated. I know. Dang it. So the society trying to put everybody in their boxes. Yeah, let's get rid of the boxes all together. Absolutely. Agreed. Let's just (laughs) be (laughs) us.
0: Well, we are definitely allies and uh, I look forward to collaborating with you further. You're right, close to me geographically. So we'll be, I'm sure, communicating and collaborating on future projects together. So thank you. Sounds great. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. If people wanted to get a hold of you, how
1: would they do that? I am on... Facebook. I also have an Instagram account that my husband and I run. That's where we do a lot of our advocacy stuff. Okay. So I'm been trying to pick that back up again. Okay. I have the neurodivergent Cypress group that I would love to hang out with them. So okay. Any of those things, reach out and find. I'll find you.
0: Okay. I'll put all those links in the notes. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Please share it with anyone you know who might have a child with neurodiversity or who knows that they do, or maybe the person themselves has neurodiversity and find safe home podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And we also have a Patreon account if you would like to support us with a donation of 5 10 25 or $50 a month that helps us remain commercial-free. And you can get into our book club and our adoptive parent support group. So come check us out there, patreon.com slash safehome. So thank you very much again for being with us, Carolyn. I really appreciate everything you shared. And everybody who's listening, Carolyn and I want you to stay, stay safe. safe.